You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. In, in the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, there is a wisdom of faith and there is a wisdom of love. The wisdom of faith knows that Jesus is the Savior, that his death is our life, that his blood is our atonement. The wisdom of faith knows how we will stand before the Lord on the day of judgment, how we will stand there and we will plead guilty our sinners, and we abandon all hope and trust in ourselves and rely on the Lord's mercy and His mercy alone. The wisdom of faith knows eternal life and the gifts that the Lord gives in His Word. And we learn the wisdom of faith in the Scriptures, in the Creed, when we learn what the Lord Jesus has done for us in His birth and His life and His death and His resurrection and His ascension to the right hand of God the Father. This is the wisdom of faith. We learn the wisdom of love in the Ten Commandments. And especially in the last seven commandments which tell us how to love our neighbor. So that while the wisdom of faith teaches us how we stand before God, it's the wisdom of love that teaches us how we stand before our neighbor, how we stand before one another. Now, in fact, if you let me take a tangent right here at the beginning of the sermon, part of the wisdom of love is to recognize that love takes all different kinds of shapes and all different kinds of forms, depending on our vocation and the Ten Commandments. In other words, it's not simply enough to say love and to be done with it, as if every question is then answered. Our love for each other looks different. Again, according to vocation and according to the Ten Commandments. My, my love, just as an example, my love for my next-door neighbor looks different than my love for all of you, the members of Hope. I don't stand on their front porch preaching a sermon to them. And I don't keep an eye on your house when you go on vacation. Love just looks different. And your love for your children looks different than your love for your parents. Your love for your boss and your love for the governor of Colorado all have different shapes, different intensities different demands. Your love for one another as fellow Christians and members of the body of Christ, as, as well as members of Hope Lutheran Church, this is a, a unique and a special love that the Lord calls us to have for one another. And it's, and it's good to remember that the Lord Jesus is pleased to bind all of us up together in this place so that we can love one another and we can bless each other, we can care for each other, and we can look after each other. The love of husband and wife is a unique and an exclusive love. It's not to be shared with anyone else. And this is a love, for example, of husband and wife, a love shaped by the sixth commandment. You shall not commit adultery. Children and parents have a fourth commandment-shaped love. Honor your father and your mother. When you go to work, things are shaped by all the commandments, but especially the seventh commandment. You shall not steal. You work hard to benefit our neighbor's wealth. When we interact with all the people around us, we do so according to the fifth commandment and the eighth commandment, protecting and serving their life and their good name. Now, my, my love for you as your pastor and your love for me as your pastor is a third commandment-shaped love. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so we don't despise preaching in the Word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear it. So that my love for you looks a lot like preaching a sermon from the Scriptures. And your love for me looks a lot like listening to me preach to you and believing what the gospel says, rejoicing in the Lord's mercy. 
Now, that, that, this is true, that the Ten Commandments give shape to our love is especially important when the question of love comes up in the cultural conversation. I mean, we hear this kind of thing all the time. Love's, love wins, we hear preached. Or we're asked, who are you to judge how I love or who I love? We want to remember that love is not enough, especially if love is being used against the commandments. So, so just as an example, two young people who aren't married might want to act like they're married, and they say it's okay because we love each other. We say that's not enough. Intimate love takes shape according to the sixth commandment. And if intimacy is not within the bonds of marriage, it is not love. Our love for God, by the way, is shaped by the first three commandments. We fear, love, and trust in God. We don't worship any other gods. We pray, and we delight to hear his word. That's what love towards God looks like. Now, it is meditating on this kind of stuff, meditating on the Ten Commandments, that we begin to learn the wisdom of love. Remember, the wisdom of faith knows that Christ is our Savior. The wisdom of love begins to see our own life and our gifts and our circumstances as opportunities to serve and to bless our neighbor. And the Holy Spirit helps us along towards this wisdom of love, teaching us, guiding us according to the Ten Commandments, encouraging us with the gospel, correcting and rebuking us with the law, and so forth. So we have these two wisdoms set before us, the wisdom of faith and the wisdom of love. And we want to be clear that the parable that we hear from Jesus today is about the wisdom of love. I mean, this helps to explain why it's so strange. We are used to hearing parables that give to us the wisdom of faith. They teach us about the kingdom of God. Jesus is teaching us something different in the parable. Remember how it was. There was a man who had a crooked steward. You have to think of maybe like a wealthy business owner who has a business of buying and trading and selling, and he has a manager who's doing all the work for him. And the, and the owner of the business finds out that the manager is a crook, or at least that he's not doing right by the owner. The text says that he was wasting his goods. So the owner comes to him and says, turn in the books. You're fired. And the guy panics. Knowing that he will soon be out of a job and soon be out of money, and that he's too proud to go on the street and beg, and he's too weak to become a ditch digger, he comes up with a plan. A bit wily. In fact, the wiliness of it we can talk about. He calls all the people who owed money to his boss, the the owner, and and he cuts down their bills. You owe a hundred measures of oil. Let's make it fifty. Sign here. You owe a hundred measures of wheat. Let's make it eighty. Sign here. And he does this to all of his boss's debtors. And when the boss, the owner, the Lord, sees what he does, he commends this guy. He commends this manager for his shrewdness, for for exercising this kind of earthly wisdom. Now, what the manager did, we know, is a fancy way of breaking the seventh commandment, you shall not steal. And it's certainly not being taught to us that we should figure out good ways to steal from each other. I mean, that's not what Jesus is teaching. Jesus, in fact, is interested in what motivated this man and how he used his wisdom to get what he wanted. We see it in verse 4, where, where we have the guy's motivation unfolded. I know what to do so that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into the houses. And Jesus comes back to this point when he tells us the point of the whole parable. The children of this world are, in their generation, wiser than the children of light. 
So I say to you, make for yourselves friends by the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. Mammon, by the way, means money. And I think when Jesus calls it the mammon of unrighteousness, he's simply talking about the money and the wealth and the stuff that we have from working and living in this world. And he says, and this is the point, that the children of the world, the unbelievers, know how to make friends for themselves with their money. The world knows the influence that money has, how it can be put to use, how money can serve us. This shrewd manager was so a knew how to use money so that he would have friends. People who liked him enough so that when he was out of money and out of work, they would let him stay on his, sleep on their couch and eat a bit of their food. Now, Jesus says that the children of the world know about this and that the children of light, that is you and me, Christians, should know about it as well. That we should be wise in this way that we should know that money is to serve us and not the other way around. We are not the slaves of money. We are not slaves to the money that we have. We are not slaves to the money that we wish we had. But that our money and our wealth is a tool, an instrument that the Lord gives to us, and that we should use it to make friends. And especially friends that are eternal. And look what Jesus says here, the kind of friend that Jesus is talking about. It's not just the friend, the neighbor, who lets us sleep on the couch when we're in trouble. Jesus says, make for yourselves friends by the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail, that is, when you die, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. So that Jesus is telling us, you and me, Jesus is telling us this, that we should use our money and everything that, that goes with money, your stuff, your abilities, your training, your schooling, your expertise, your effort, your schedule, your connections, all of it. That you should use all of these things to make eternal friends. To make Christian friends. To build a crowd of people who are waiting for you in heaven. You and I should use our stuff, this is the point, to build up the kingdom of God here on earth. And this is a chief part of the wisdom of love. Now you, the dear saints of hope, are doing this already. You support the preaching of the gospel here in this place. You support the gospel being preached in all the world, and God be praised for it. But look, when the Holy Spirit puts the text before us this morning, he's inviting us to consider this, the wisdom of love, and to ask ourselves if we are, in fact, being wise. Are we loving our neighbors with our money? Are we trying to use our money to make eternal friends? Are we using the resources that God has given us for his kingdom? And and what more can we do so that our friends and our neighbors are our eternal friends and our eternal neighbors? We reflect on this. And perhaps as we reflect on it, we see our own failings. We repent. And as we reflect on this, we consider the opportunities that the Lord has put in front of us to bless and to serve each other. And we pray. We pray that the Holy Spirit would give us this wisdom. Not just the wisdom of faith, but also the wisdom of love. That we would grow and increase in the kind of shrewdness that the Lord commends in the parable. 
that we would know how best to make friends, to fill the church, to preach the gospel, to put the kindness of the Lord Jesus into every ear and heart that we possibly can. That's the parable for us. Now, that's a lot of law because the parable is a lot of law. And it's good. It's good instruction for us. But it will be good also for us to end on a promise. Because we recognize, as we consider what Jesus teaches, that we are, all of us, only children. We're only beginning to learn the wisdom of love and the wisdom of service. But Jesus has graduated. He knows, and he does it all perfectly. So Paul puts this before us in this way. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul writes, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that even though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Jesus gives up everything. He becomes poor. He humbles himself so that he might gain you as his eternal and everlasting friend. And dear saints, it is his blood that is your true riches. It is his mercy and his promises that are your true treasure. His name and his kingdom, these are your inheritance. Jesus loves you. He became poor so that you would become rich. He became dead so that you would live. He suffered so that you would have life. And this, this gospel, this truth and promise, this is our confidence as we try to live and love and bless each other. This is our hope as we live this life with the wisdom of love. And this is our certainty as we try to chase after God's commandments and bless one another. May God grant us this wisdom the wisdom of faith to know the love of God in Christ and the wisdom of love to bless each other. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, guard your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.